Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Monday edition is here, recapping a massive wildcard weekend across the NFL. Plenty of headlines to hit. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Dan Dockett joins us in 20 minutes. Don't at me. Great show this morning. We recap the big headlines from the early afternoon. That's with Dan in 20 minutes here across the Outkick Network. Then Jason McCourty, co-host of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. He was on the radio call for Jacksonville and Los Angeles, where the Jags come from behind, down 27, and win the game 31-30. We will start there and hit many more headlines here. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Uh, what uh, what I thought was going to be just a lazy, too many blowouts, not great wild card weekend became... A thrill ride over the weekend, uh, starting really with that comeback by Jacksonville that I certainly did not see coming. I thought the way Trevor Lawrence played against the Titans the week before and then the way he started that game, I'm thinking, man, what a way to crash and burn and end the season. And instead, it's a franchise that's known for crashing and burning that had the ultimate crash and burn with the L.A. Chargers. That was an atrocious second half. And really, when you look back on it, only having 27 points after all those mistakes, that was a failure by the oh, Chargers. Yeah, and we'll start there on the 6-360, the and 360, the top headlines from the weekend. The Chargers had five takeaways from Jacksonville and came away with just 20 points total off of those five turnovers. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence has an awful performance. That, uh, uh, what could have been, and, and I think you would agree, a career-defining moment for him. For, for two years the, in, his career-defining moment. On the flip side moment. where you're like, man, this guy is not with it. You know, he can't handle the top pressure. And instead, he remained a leader on the sideline, three picks in the first quarter alone. Uh, disastrous. And he flipped it around. They got that score right before half. And then the Chargers never reached the red zone again after that muff punt that put them on the six-yard line, they only gained a yard there, and they end up kicking the field goal. I will remember the game more about Lawrence's second half, but really, this is about now. Now it's Justin Herbert instead of Trevor Lawrence. We have, I, I feel like we have surpassed the discussion of Herbert or Lawrence where Lawrence figured it out, and meanwhile, Herbert couldn't, and that's part of the issue. The bigger issue, though, is the, the coaching performance and whether or not Staley's going to keep his job. Yeah, and I know our guy Jordan Schultz, who we'll have on tomorrow, I believe, um, he's reporting that all signs are he's going to be retained. And a lot of this is because of finances. Chargers are one of the – I mean, you can't claim poverty as an NFL owner right now, but they're one of the poorest franchises in the NFL, the least liquid franchises. A lot of reports about Josh McDaniels being safe in, in Vegas with the Raiders for the same reason. I, I just never bought them as a true player for Sean Payton for that reason, because of what it's going to cost to sign Sean Payton. I, I didn't think that would be the most likely scenario. 
Certainly with the quarterback, you would think that it is. Hutton, I'm going to remember well, well, this. They also they they would also know if Sean Payton's truly interested. Yeah, I'm talking about pulling off the trade, yeah. paying him, all of those things. I'm not saying Sean Payton wouldn't be interested in the Chargers if the money was the same as everywhere else. Well, so uh, I don't know, but if we're hearing reports that money's an issue and that's why Staley's coming back, yeah. then they're not going to go all in on paying Sean Payton and you know firing him and paying him whatever he's owed also yeah, and, and his then, staff. And then it's going to end up being a mid to late round first pick, according to Sean Payton, uh, who was told Colin Cowherd about an hour ago that Mickey Loomis, they met, the general manager of New Orleans, and they're looking for a mid to late first round pick in exchange for the contract of Sean Payton. So he's positioning himself to get back in. He's already talked with Denver last week in Los Angeles. This week in New York, he will speak with Carolina owner David Tepper, and the thought is if McCarthy loses tonight, Dallas will be in the mix as well. Uh, the Bengals, what a game last night between Cincinnati and Baltimore and the play where Huntley is reaching for the goal line and it turns into a 98-yard return for a touchdown. That's one of those plays that felt like to me, Chad, the Rams of last year in the playoff run where they made at least one big play late that sealed it. They had three straight games in the postseason of winning by three points. The first team to win the Super Bowl with that short of a margin um, and actually go on to win the title. Since he feels like that team to me, the other teams are turning it over at a high rate or they can't get the big stop. The team that had it, it, San Francisco too, but since he with how they're coming up with the big moment plays, to me, this is one of those that you just get over the hump and now they can play their offense. That was last night was about defense. And I know we're going to talk about Buffalo, but I kind of feel the opposite way yeah. about the Bills right now, the way they're playing. I don't think since he played well last night no. and they found a way to do it. They went from with the next gen stats, they went from a 46% chance of winning to that one play with a 98 yard run back to an 87% chance winning. When it went the other way for a touchdown. And tied at 17 at the time. Really, really dumb. J.K. Dobbins is right to speak out yes. against the play callers. He is absolutely... A lot of times people will crush someone for being this honest, but when he says, I'm averaging 5.8 yards a carry, I need more carries. At 13. When Lamar Jackson's not here, I need to be the guy. I'm tired of sitting back and not speaking up on that. We had three cracks at it from the two or three yard line. I don't get one touch. And that's how the game essentially ends, is your quarterback going Superman for no reason. That's not the play call, by the way. It was going to be the uh, the old Reggie Bush push from behind where he just craters the ball, and then you shove him into the end zone that we see all over football now. And instead, he tries to play Superman, gets it knocked out, goes the other way. That's so much less of a great play by Cincinnati and such a dumb play by a backup quarterback. We're going to debate on whether or not the starting quarterback could have played or should have played also. But, man, I'd come away from that game, Hutton, not feeling good about the Bengals and the way they played. I mean, yes, they came up with a, a lucky moment where the ball bounces right well, to a defensive end. But other than that, I, I don't really know what to feel good about them just with that one performance. Well, they're, they're doing enough, right? They, the, the mistakes by Buffalo are continuing to be a trend. The mistakes by Cincinnati, you can say, is a one-off in the explanation. I think that's the difference between the two. Um, where you've got Josh Allen, who's now thrown 16 interceptions. He's lost six fumbles. Uh, they, are, they allow teams to stay in ball games with them that 
teams have no business sticking around with. Only the Colts and the Texans turned it over more than Buffalo this season. And the Bills did it again yesterday to Miami. And the Dolphins stuck around. Now, ultimately, I think a good quarterback, just an average quarterback, uh, wins that game for Miami. Because late in the game, Miami also had their own problems. But they had no no business sticking around with Buffalo. And the Bills nearly dropped it late and allowed Miami to be the true Cinderella of the opening weekend. I think Mike McDaniel in that game went from, this may be the greatest, one of the greatest playoff coaching performances in history. If you go to Buffalo and you win with Skylar Thompson as your starting quarterback and they're scoring as many points as they did yeah. to what in the hell is Miami doing on that final drive? It went quickly to that. The false starts, the delay of games. The down issue. McDaniel having to come out and say, we screwed it up. I thought it was a first down. It was fourth and one. I was told by someone reliable that we picked up the first down. Come to find out we didn't. And I, that's where they took the, the delay of game on, yep. on that play. Um, really unfortunate for Miami. And I'm watching that thinking of all the publicity with DeMar Hamlin. And this team that's become America's team, the Buffalo Bills. If you don't have a dog in the hunt, you're going with the Bills right now to win the Super Bowl. If they would have lost that game, the way they're up 17-0 and rolling, they fall behind 24-20. The Dolphins give themselves a chance to the ball late. I'm thinking, not like this, Bills. But they found a way, too. But I think in large part, I look at both these last two games we discussed, and I think it says so much more about backup quarterback, bad clock issues with, with coaches, Backup quarterback, one horrible, dumb play by the backup quarterback that completely yeah. swung the game where it was in their control. It's so much more about them than the opponent. But now as we start to progress in the week and preview that game, it's all about the opponent as Bills and Bengals get ready to go head-to-head. Yep, and now we get, that, we get the game that they, they postponed, that they took off the, took off the board altogether all with the no contest. The matchup, Cincinnati on the road, against Buffalo this weekend. Uh, Kansas City, with the bye, will be hosting Jacksonville. And on the flip side, the Giants are the the road team that people are acting surprised New York won this game. This was a great regular season game earlier, about a month ago. And they lost that one in Minnesota on a 61, 62-yard field goal at the as time expired. The Giants, led by Daniel Jones, have been... Incredible. They are finding ways with a coaching staff that's brand new in year one with this this crew that everyone's pointing at Gettleman who put this crop of players together that have not been making it work. And they're finding ways to beat good teams. The Vikings aren't great. And I don't know why Kirk Cousins is throwing for a three-yard pickup on fourth down and eight. But Chad, this is not like it was a uh, – Minnesota's not Jacksonville. It's not a nine-win team. They, they are 11-0 and in one-score games, and now they're 11-1 and because the Giants found the clutch moments with Daniel Jones, who was outstanding, and Saquon Barkley, who continues to earn another contract just like Jones is doing. Sometimes it is just as simple as your luck runs out. And I think for Minnesota, who's a very good team, but they were very fortunate to be 13-4. and yeah. four. And very lucky in, in a number of games. And, and their luck finally ran out in this game. Daniel Jones, we've been discussing his future now moving forward. He is becoming not just a, 
a competent quarterback, a really good quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. First guy to ever pass for over 300 yards, throw two touchdowns, and rush for over 70 yards in an NFL playoff game in history is Daniel Jones after yesterday. He's the leading rusher in that game, a game featuring Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook. Daniel Jones is your leading rusher for the game. Terrific performance for him. Maybe the biggest stat in the game, no turnovers for Daniel Jones. Big win for the Giants. I think it's going to be a really good game with them and the Eagles playing on Saturday night. Who is your favorite quarterback performance of the weekend? Daniel Jones. Um, I, I think the most interesting performance is Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to say the best because the way it started, but that was the craziest flip-flop of performance from first half to the second half. But Daniel Jones, to me, was not that it's surprising that he played well, but that he played that well is surprising. Brock Purdy, for me, because I think we're witnessing an emergence of a you know a late-round pick that has this storybook-type career. The guy is t- You cannot rattle him. That was the third time that Seattle's played the 49ers, and they had seen Purdy once before. And they late in that game, he stepped up and made some massive plays. Now, they got plenty of talent around him, and the defense is the best in the league. But, Chad, this guy is a leader. And I don't know how you don't find those qualities earlier in the draft. It's beyond me why he had to wait until the final pick of the draft in April to get his shot. And... Credit Shanahan. This is why whenever Trey Lance was drafted at number three, we said, oh, he's going to be great because he's going to be paired with Kyle Shanahan. And turns out it's the seventh round pick, not the first round pick, that everyone's going to be clamoring about when the postseason run is, is over. And I don't think they're going away anytime soon. You know, it's, it really is incredible to watch this guy. And maybe the most impressive play of the game, I'm, I'm watching live, it was an incomplete pass where he scrambles away oh, from pressure and throws it on a dime. I'm thinking he's going to throw the ball away. He gets crushed on the pass. It's right to, I think, Ayuk in the corner of the end zone. Who I don't know how he doesn't catch he it. He does everything he's but He's looking catch it. down at his feet to make sure he's in bounds and drops the ball as he's catching it open in the back of the end zone. But terrific effort from, from Brock Purdy. I, I was seeing a number of people speculating about Brock Purdy being a possible trade to where is he the answer for some teams that are quarterback needy because the 49ers are going to have to invest in Trey Lance, right? And I'm thinking, no. No. Are you watching the same quarterback that I'm watching versus what little we've seen from Trey Lance? Trey Lance is the guy who's going to be moved, if anyone. It's not Brock Purdy right now. And Hutton, I agree with you. This is the start of something with Purdy in this league and with this 49ers team. It seems like a match made in heaven right now. And this dude's got ice water. In his veins, it is. It's amazing to watch a guy who experienced a lot of success and failure in college, and how that failure helped them grow. And this is the perfect example of where he comes from in Iowa State and experiencing equal part success and failure, and how it shaped him as a competitor. And we're seeing it right now with the 49ers. Three quarterbacks with their first playoff win. That'll be a topic later this week on who that impacts the most. Um, it, Awful story out of Alabama with uh, their junior forward, Darius Miles, arrested yesterday, charged with capital murder following a a shooting early Sunday morning in Tuscaloosa. He's one of two suspects charged. And the the story goes, Chad, that these suspects, they they walked up to a car and shot a woman uh, in the car. He's taken into custody on, on yesterday, no bond. 
Uh, that's less than 24 hours after he had been ruled out for the remainder of, of the season with an ankle injury. And, I mean, this is horrifying. And it's something you don't see, uh, certainly, as breaking news inside of college basketball coverage, right? You're flipping over to A&E and watching 48, you know, first 40, 48 yeah. or whatever that show is. Well, immediately the Baylor basketball scandal came to mind where a player murdered another player on the team, and then eventually the coach was covering it up. With the cover-up, yeah. Yeah, and that, that became the big scandal with that, with Dave Bliss was the coach. Um, that's what came to mind because it's so rare that you're talking about a capital murder being allegedly committed uh, by a player on one of the top, not just a, any college basketball team. Alabama's the best team in the SEC. They, they may be the best team in the country right now. They are a legit national championship contender in college basketball, they are that good. And now Nate Oates is going to be dealing with one of the guys he brought to campus possibly murdered somebody. I mean, I, I don't, it's hard to even say if yeah, you're the coach of someone that you're dealing with that. Alabama immediately took his name off the roster. Immediately, you could not find his name right when this story came out. Very odd timing that he was away from the team for a couple of weeks dealing with, quote, personal issues. Then he was back that day in their game, and he was on the bench but ruled injured with the ankle. And then and out for the year. late that night, this, this happens. Terrible story all around. Coming up, Dan Dockich will weigh in, and we'll also go back to the NFL and recap the top storylines. We'll look at it from a, a different perspective as well. The quarterbacks that did not get it done, that had a great opportunity to help their team advance and choked it away. Dan is next, and Chad, he'll be pissed off for greatness. Always. He always is. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You can follow us at Outkick360 and also find us at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick360 rolls on with Dan Dockich of Don't At Me. You can hear him mornings, watch him mornings, right here across the Outkick Network. Dan is fresh off another award-winning show. And now he's... Where are you? I know you've got the background behind you, Dan, but are you like lakeside? What do you... you have a cigar after this? What's up? I uh, just got done with a workout, Peloton. Uh, Hannah kicked my you-know-what, did some core, Good. did some bike, did a little 20-minute weight <laughs> workout. Uh, Hannah Hannah got me, and I'm watching uh, Izzo's team kind of fall behind and then try to get back in it before halftime against the Boilers. It's a lot of college basketball going on right now, for sure, Dan. We're going to talk about a lot of it. I do want to ask you, though, about not specifically about Darius Miles at Alabama, not knowing the case, but when you've got a player that's charged with capital murder, I immediately thought about asking you, what's the worst you ever had to deal with as a coach in terms of seriousness off the court with one of your players? And how do you even go about communicating with someone about this if you're coaching them in basketball and suddenly one of your guys is accused of something like this? 
Uh, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Uh, I may have been a bad coach, but our program was unbelievable. The guy came in to do – Dr. Dean Pappas came in to do a book on basically the uh, degenerates that are college athletes, and he's a guy that I knew, and he wanted to do it on my team. He did it on my team, and he said, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, your team is unbelievable. I, I never dealt with that. I, I'm, I dealt with uh, maybe a kid missing class. No, I dealt with a kid missing class. Um, but I, here's my thing. I, I always, and this is such a fine line when you're in the media, you know, you, you don't know what really happened, but as a coach, you, I feel responsible for everything. I feel responsible for bringing the guy into the community. Now there's no way I knew or thought that this kid would do this or whatever he did. But as a coach, that's how I always looked at it, Chad. I always looked at it like two things. And I learned this from Bob Knight. And you can like, dislike Bob Knight, but when he recruited me, he told me, you're going to play with guys that you are going to be, feel very comfortable coming to your house in the summer or for a weekend with, or dating your daughter, your sister. And truthfully, I always lived like that. Now, I didn't expect them to be choir boys, but you hurt as a coach because of guilt. I brought this guy in there. How do you handle it? I don't know. Uh, murder. We're talking about murder. We're talking about... Uh, a cowardly, ridiculous, and from what I've read, act of violence. Um, I honestly, I, I would feel so guilty. Like, I felt guilty uh, if a kid didn't graduate on time. Like, my thing is, so regardless of what anybody, you can Google me and find out I'm a horrible human being. All you got to do is Google Dan Dockich, I'm a horrible human being. But in terms of coaching, my team's, I never dealt with any of that crap, never, and I can't imagine how I would other than have immense guilt. Nate Oates has done a great job with Alabama turning them into a winning program. He did a great job at Buffalo. His teams play fast. They win a bunch of games. But, Dan, let's look at this honestly. What does this do to his legacy if, in fact, Darius Miles is convicted of capital murder? And, and I say that, and I'll use this as an example. Brian Kelly is highly thought of as a college coach, but you cannot mention Brian Kelly's name without also mentioning the kid who died in the accident because he made him get back up in bad weather at Notre Dame and take video of a practice. People are always going to bring that up. Is this going to be something that if this continues down this road that we always have to bring up with Nate Oates regardless of how many games he wins? Well, well, the kid's name was Declan Sullivan, and I remember that. I was up in that area that day, and it was the windiest day. I literally remember getting gas in Rensselaer, Indiana, which is about an hour away. And I remember, man, my door, when I opened my car door to get out, almost blew off his hinges. It was going so hard. So I know exactly what you're talking about. The answer is to be determined, and I'll tell you why. What was he dealing with in terms of personal problems? What did the coaching staff allow? What did they know? Look, I understand maybe this is too early for these conversations, but these are the conversations that are going to happen. All right. Was there a previous threat to this young lady? What was the relationship? Should the coaches have known? Who should have known? Those are the things, guys, that are going to have to be answered as we move forward here. And... Because obviously when you're talking about a capital crime here, capital murder, which is, oh, by the way, death penalty eligible, these, because it's a court, this is going to be asked and it's going to be answered. And Nate Oates, I'll guarantee you right now, he and whatever assistant recruited him, whoever was closest to him, 
I, I, I mean, look, we're talking about real stuff here. You know, my heart goes out to the family, but this is real stuff. You're asking me about the program. He got a lawyer up because every conversation that he had or his assistants had or the academic people or uh, the weight people uh, had with this kid over the last, I don't know how many years, maybe a year or two, I don't know, is going to be addressed. I'm telling you, you got to watch this. This is going to be interesting. I don't have the answer to your question uh, yet. But we will, and if, hey, look, if this is some random thing, uh, nobody saw it, then fine. But if there were signs, they're going to have to answer for it. Dan Dockett's with us, host of Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Dan, we, we opened the show discussing the quarterbacks who played well. The, the quarterbacks who didn't, we can also have a great discussion on. But is there a QB with more pressure than Dak Prescott has on him tonight to prove <laughs> that he's the dude? Yeah, right. Tom Brady loses this. He just flashes the big seven, right? I mean, yeah. hey, I'm 45 years old. What, what do you want from me? No. You know, think about this. Dak Prescott tonight, how, how many jobs are on the line for Dak Prescott, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Mike McCarthy, if they don't win a Super Bowl, certainly his job, offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore's trying to get out of there, I'm sure, and go get a head coaching job. But to your point, look, I, I was really impressed uh, with Trevor Lawrence. The easiest thing in the world to do is be a front runner. You come out and everything's humming, man. You And then maybe you slip in the middle of the game, but you get it back. That dude was god-awful from the get-go. I mean, you're talking about four interceptions in the first half. And however he did it, and I got to give a lot of credit, and I think you guys will agree with this, the, the wide receivers he was throwing to, even in the end zone, were wide open. Like, wide open, like, whatever Doug Peterson and his staff did in the second half in terms of route adjustments, my God, was it good. But you're right, Prescott the best, the guy I was most impressed with because, you know what, he, he kind of crapped the bed early, but he came back with Trevor Lawrence. When you have a, a, a moment last night uh, with Melissa Starks, <laughs> John Harbaugh, that was a bit of a testy exchange in a halftime interview, uh, what, what comes to mind for, for you, Dan, on that? This is something that the coaches know they have to do this. It's part of the reason they make so much money. It's an NFL contractual thing. I think to myself, it's a lot easier to take a deep breath and just give an answer and move on instead of getting so testy. How do you react to that? I, 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 mean, I disagree with you. I thought he handled it perfect. It's on, like, everybody doesn't just get a pass. Like, just because you're a sideline reporter, you don't just get a pass for being, you know, asking a dumb question. She's asking about the third-string quarterback in the middle of the game. It's a dumb question. Ask about the game. That's what the interview is supposed to be. I really like Melissa Stark. I respect Melissa Stark. But I'll give Harbaugh credit. He grin-blanked him, I used to call it. I'll let you figure out what the blank part is. <laughs> uh, he, he, just, he just grinned and went, hey, let's let the game play out. I thought he could have gone nuts. I saw my boy Coach Knight go nuts. I went nuts at halftime, basically call, before the internet, thank God, calling halftime interviews. You know, you're an idiot. Did you not watch the game? I'll give Harbaugh credit, but you got to be smarter. Like, shorter is better. I interviewed Calipari halftime of the uh, Louisville-Kentucky game one time. As, uh, you know what I said? Hey, John, what would you think? And boom, he just went off on a tangent. You don't need to put words in a coach's mouth. Well, when are we going to see? Shut up. You ain't the coach. I thought it was a dumb question. I thought Harbaugh handled it a lot better than a lot of guys, including myself.
So they didn't want to rule out Lamar Jackson last week. They were waiting for the injury report. Lamar rules himself out on Thursday, then doesn't travel with the team to Cincinnati. And we now hit the offseason of Lamar uh, again with Baltimore. Meanwhile, within an hour, a span of an hour, of all of that and going final between the, the Ravens and the Bengals, you have the players in the locker room that are backing Lamar Jackson saying they've seen him limping around the facility. They knew he wasn't going to play. That's from Marlon Humphrey. And you have others like Dobbins who say, uh, uh, if Lamar played, we win this game no problem. So how do you think this turns out? And what do you make of the guy who's looking for the mega contract, who's also representing himself, not traveling with the team to the first playoff game of a run that ended right then and there? Uh, I thought our Fox crew uh, did a great job. Charles Woodson and Sean Payton and Mike Vick. I I thought they did a great job of saying, look, here's the deal. Uh, I don't want you on my team anymore if you're not going to show up. I mean, let's be honest. You could tell my my radar went up, uh, and I'm seeing this, and I'm saying, look, one of the only things that I maybe could do as a coach is I could figure out body language and what people were saying. And Lamar Jackson, a lot of, if not all of his teammates, feel like he should have played. I don't care what Marlon Humphrey said. He just, being a buddy, it figures he's smart enough to understand. Doesn't matter what I say. It ain't going to change it. Uh, Shannon Sharp on the show with Skip, said something very, very sternly, definitively, and that was, I'm not playing unless I get a contract if I'm Lamar Jackson. Well, I'm not saying that's the right thing, but I'm saying that's the thing. And personally, uh, I don't understand it. Personally, if you play, you play to be a champion. I know some writers in the NFL said, well, you know, Robert Griffin III, you know, put a knee brace on it. And he play well. You become a legend in the league, a legend by playing and winning when you're hurt. You become a legend by winning, number one, by playing when you're hurt. Look, I'm not here to tell anybody what they should do or shouldn't do. That's not my business. But I can read body language and I can read between the lines. And between the lines tells me two things. One, Lamar Jackson putting out all that stuff on Twitter is Shakespearean. He doth protest too much. And two, reading the body, or reading the words or reading in between the words, nobody in that organization, including uh, Marlon Humphrey, believes he shouldn't have played or certainly at least shouldn't have been there. I got to believe he's done in Baltimore. I love Lamar Jackson. I've been very open about it. I hope he comes to the Colts. Personally, in my life, I don't give a damn about any of it. I just want to win a few games. So I hope he comes to the Colts <laughs> and not Jeff Saturday and Matt freaking Ryan. What is going on with the Colts? Dan, do we have any idea oh, based on who they're talking to? What do we get any type of? Let's speculate on what direction Jim Irsay is trying to head with this organization a little bit. Jim Irsay got burned because of the Rooney Rule with Saturday, so he had seven interviews in four days. Now let me explain something to you. I've interviewed for head coaching jobs at the MAC for crying out loud, and they were all day. I mean, literally all day. I went to uh, Marshall. It was all day. And I had the job before I even got there. I turned it down. I went to Bowling Green. It was all day. I went and interviewed at West Virginia. It was all day. These are basketball jobs. This is an NFL job, and you're interviewing seven people in four days? Are you kidding me? This interview process is a sham. He's doing everything he can to get the Rooney Rule where he doesn't have to hear any of it. And ultimately, I think what he wants to do is he wants to hire Jim Harbaugh. If he can't do that, he wants to hire. And I know he hasn't interviewed Harbaugh yet. Uh, There's a negotiation. We shall see what we shall see. 
But I know he wants to do that. I know he wants to keep Saturday in the organization. I think he, he's, he's clearing the Rooney rule. He's seeing if there's anybody in this, in this interview process that stands out to him that he can jump over Saturday. But I swear to God, the, the, the holy grail is Jim Harbaugh for Jim Ursay. I think Harbaugh is probably too smart for it. Dan, did your Super Bowl prediction change at all based on what you saw this weekend? You sticking with the same teams? Well, I can't remember who I did. It's a long time and I'm old, but I did say this. I'm not in love as many are with the Bills. I I told you this before and I catch a lot of grief for this, but I didn't like Josh Allen's eyes. I don't like his eyes in big moments. I'm not saying he's not great. He's great. But I'll tell you this, if I were going to make a prediction now based on yesterday, I'm not taking any of those teams except San Francisco. Give me San Francisco or Philadelphia and I'll take Kansas City on the other side. I'm not in love with the Bills. I'm not in love with any of those teams I saw yesterday. Jacksonville, good for you, man. You got to win, but you'll go home next week. The Giants, pretty tough team, and Daniel Jones looks like a dude. But San Francisco, I mean, hey, look, I believe they could throw one of the three of us out there. We'd throw for about 250, and we would win like 42 to 8 or something. It's unbelievable. But give me either Philadelphia or San Francisco, and I'll take the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll figure it all out. In fact, I'm going to bet it right now on DraftKings. Do it. So going back to college basketball, um, embarrassing week for Kentucky the past week. And they responded, full credit to them. They killed Tennessee on the, on the glass, out-rebound them by more than 20. Um, Tennessee was terrible offensively in the game, but Kentucky played good defense. Dan, I know you were watching at least the end of that game. What did you make of Kentucky's response to what's been a disappointing season? It's what's supposed to happen with a uh, historical all-time program. It is absolutely what is supposed to happen, and credit John Calipari now. Let's be honest. I think you tweeted it out, Chad. I mean, there's some mislayups in there. Like, my goodness. I mean, hey, look, I'm not saying I could jump at all, but I can make that even in traffic. Zakai Ziegler missed three or four bit... by himself in that yeah. game. A couple that were breakaways wide open off the backboard, nothing yeah. else. You know, Chad, I was equated to this. Uh, one year, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament. All we got to do is beat Miami. We're up three. Uh, one of my players gets a rebound. And he, nobody's around him. He clears space. Nobody's around him. He lays it up. And I start looking the other way to see where we're going to set up our defense. And I hear a groan. And I'm like, whoa, he missed it? What are you talking about? There were three of those late with Kentucky, where, uh, or excuse me, with Tennessee, where I'm like, all right, now the score is, what? He missed it? Or they're going to get back into one. Wait, they missed it? What the? Uh, hey, I did say this. Uh, you know, Indiana bounced back. I always like Indiana at home. On a Saturday afternoon, uh, particularly if it's not a noon game, put it at one and you're fine. Noon, everybody's hungover, nobody shows. One makes a big difference. And great programs are supposed to bounce back. You saw it last year. Kentucky went into Kansas, beat the you-know-what out of them. Kansas ended up winning national championship. Great programs are supposed to bounce back. Kentucky did. But I got to tell you, they got helped by Tennessee. My goodness. The officials in Football and basketball Suck. are so oh. inconsistent. And, and, yeah, and even when they're good, they're not great. You know, there's no great crew that is, is known for being excellent. It's just if you're good enough, hey, congratulations. You got a consistent crew. It's, it's really like I don't understand how there's not more investment what from is, the college what level. What is Jay in this. Billis watching, by the way, too? Yeah. On Saturday in that game, I, I think Jay Billis is a smart basketball guy. There are times he was criticizing something that I'm thinking. That's not what to criticize in this game in terms of officiating. One was on an elbow 
uh, to Vescovy, where he's, well, he's not in clear guarding position. I'm thinking, have you watched the way this game has been called? Uh, just so the inconsistency right. kills me, Dan. Well, I'm going to go through a couple things. Yeah, Jay doesn't want anybody to be touched. He doesn't. And he was a big physical player. I used to laugh at him. I go, you're whining about contact, and that's all you did. You know, but anyway, Jay doesn't want anybody to be tough. I actually, I thought the officiating, I like to see guys battle on the backboard. Like, uh, Shibway went after every rebound. It made it difficult. Same thing that Edie does here for Purdue. Let me give you some numbers on the NFL. Can I give you some NFL? I talked to three different NFL former officials. Good. Because there's a big article in Sports Illustrated about, or excuse me, uh, ESPN.com, how bad the officiating is. Listen to this. My eight to ten years is the average amount of time it takes now to get into the NFL. That includes high school, junior college, whatever. It used to be a minimum of 20 years. Now, because they tried to get all their experienced guys out and get younger, more diverse, all those kind of things, they went from it's now eight to 10 years as opposed to 20 to 25. Half, half of the staff, uh, the experienced staff in that group has been lost. 52% has less than 10 years NFL experience. Listen to this. Five years or less, 37%. A friend of mine who had Super Bowls, he did championship games, was talking to a 24, 26-year-old, whatever he was. He's like, he's one of those NFL refs, 26 years old. And he said to the guy, hey, look, man, you got up here eight years or whatever. He goes, used to take us 20 to 25. And the arrogant guy said to him, well, you must not have been very good. This guy did... Super Bowls, 26 postseason assignments. The NFL, they're scared to death of not being diverse. They're scared to death of being too old. So they got rid of damn near half of their guys who were the most experienced and went to these numbers. Now, I got to tell you, if there is a sport where experience matters, it's in the NFL. Now, they got rid of white guys, uh, African-American. They got rid of guys, any experience, half of them were shipped out. So you get what you pay for. And everybody inside the league knows what a sham this is and knows how awful it is. So there you go. I'm bringing nuggets to you guys on NFL. College officiating is just awful. It's always been awful. The rules change in the middle of the season. Uh, and so you guys don't know what to call, frankly. Uh, replay, and I've talked to officials about this, replay has made them indecisive. Worst thing you can be is indecisive. College uh, basketball, bah, but those are the numbers on officiating in the NFL, and you're seeing the results, and you'll see it again tonight. Consistency and the rules don't change with Dan Dockett, so don't at me. And brought some research today, That's right. which we appreciate. That was yeah. great. I did. Did you just burn a topic? Yeah, I read that, that article. You just burned your topic, I didn't read you? that article. Well, I read that article, and I, and, I, and I have a couple of friends that had told me, they go, look, experience is out the window now. Yeah. And so I called them. I go, walk me through. Give me some real numbers. And again, it's, it's not a matter of male, female, black, white. They just didn't want experience. They wanted to get younger because they didn't want to be perceived as being old. And you see it every day. The officiating in the NFL is horrible. Anyway, there you go. Dan, go get after it, man. <laughs> I got two things tonight. I got a root like hell for Michigan State uh, because I'm an Indiana guy and I don't like Purdue. 
And I hope Tom Brady wins tonight because I want to see too. the chaos going on yeah, I, with McCarthy, right? I'm rooting for the chaos as well. That That's presser, what I want to the see. post-game yeah. presser, the, the gang up in the uh, Jerry in the Jones just lurking around the back yeah. of the press conference the whole time. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, right. Right. Dan, we'll catch up I soon. I call him sniffing around. He'll Jerry doing Jones that. doing the Joe Biden <laughs> sniffing around. Thanks, guys. Later, bro. Uh, Dan Dockett, you can uh, catch him mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern across the Outkick network. And for more, head over to outkick.com. Coming up, Michael Vick among those calling out Lamar Jackson for not putting a brace on his knee and actually playing for his team or at minimum traveling with his team. Details next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going down in Baltimore is your classic maneuvering for a contract either there or elsewhere, with quarterback Lamar Jackson. He puts the tweet out on Friday, or excuse me, Thursday of last week, saying he's not playing. The reports of a grade two PCL strain. He says that the sprain is more of a grade three, and then he needs more time to recover. Apologizes to the fans for not being there, and then doesn't travel with the team, even though last week he traveled with the team to Cincinnati for the same exact matchup in week 18. Well, that has, of course, uh, elicited plenty of reaction from those who have played, currently playing, they're on his current team or not, and throughout the media and the fans, everyone's got an opinion on it. And yesterday, we heard from Michael Vick through the NFL on Fox. We saw what happened on Thursday when he put out a tweet explaining exactly what is going on with his knee. And this was met with a lot of blowback from some folks, other people saying, good, Lamar finally spoke. The truth of the matter is there is there is some murky waters right now as far as not only Lamar Jackson, if they win, if he could play next week, but what the future of Lamar Jackson is in Baltimore. I'm a mere reporter. I'm not in that building. But Sean Payton, you have coached several teams over the years. Your thought on the situation? Yeah, look, I don't like it. And they're in a playoff game. And I get if he's not playing, but this whole tweet out, let me explain my whole medical uh, status. Uh, and look, I'm hearing grumblings from a, a handful of folks there that their teammates have feel like uh, his process has been slower than expected. Uh, I, I just don't like it. The, the team's more important right now than you. And, and we appreciate the information on your injury status. You're not playing. I get it. I don't see this player back in Baltimore next year. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I think he'll end up with another club. Yeah, I look at it. You know, if this team was, you know, 2-15, and 15, I, I could see him not coming yeah. back and trying to finish out the season. It just seems that, you know, we all play this game to try to win a Super Bowl. Like, yeah. that's the main goal. And if you have a, good, a team that's good enough to get to the playoffs – and you guys, it, we're not what, having what, this conversation, and, and, that contract. But you're not having a con- like you're three games. I understand, you know, he's playing the game. I don't know if I would have the balls to do it. I'm, I'm being yeah, real honest with you, like, you know, okay, to sit out. Like but kudos to him. I mean, he's, he's about his business. He, he figures they, they don't want to pay him. Part. So, but like, but, Coach say, like you just said, it's the playoffs, man. You three, yeah, game, you three yeah. games away. Put a brace on it. Get it going. And look, put a brace it, on it. Let's it, go. It, it, 
Well, it's it, hard. It's hard to say that though. Right. If, we don't if know. He's if really he's not I don't know the extent of. I don't know the extent played, of his injury. I played a whole season on the on a sprain MCL. So yeah, I understand if he's not ready. Whole season. But with a lower body injury, he's going to be up in the press box. He's not going to be on the field for me. Charles. So there is uh, NFL on Fox with Sean Payton, Charles Woodson, and you heard at the end there, Michael Vick saying put a brace on it. Uh, Sean Payton saying he doesn't like all the tweeting with the medical issues in history. Screw that, by the way. If a player wants to put out his medical concerns, absolutely go for it. This veil of secrecy from NFL coaches where he's even right there calling it a lower body injury. Screw that. That, I, I don't agree with that whatsoever, especially... If you disagree with the team that is trying to negotiate with you, that your injury isn't as serious as what you believe it is or what you've been told by a second opinion. I have no reason not to believe Lamar Jackson. But for whatever reason, that entire panel, for the most part, jumps to the idea that he doesn't have a grade two, but a great he does have a grade two, not a grade three sprain, which would keep him out longer. And it was the Ravens who put out that he would be back within three weeks. I may need a little more time in our next segment yeah. to talk about this a little bit. It's a, it's a fascinating topic. First off, just on that television segment alone, refreshing. Refreshing only from the standpoint of I don't think I see people be that honest about someone dealing with an injury mm-hmm. that often, especially those who've coached the game, played the game at the highest level. So we'll pick up I there. want to start from that standpoint with that discussion and the fact that both Sean Payton and Michael Vick were even willing to say it, but no say one else will say it. Those in the Ravens organization that don't like it, we don't have a name attached to their quotes. Meanwhile, post-game, other players did say they backed Lamar Jackson and what happened with this, why he didn't travel. Details next.